come check out Animation Aficionados on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at A Aficionados. Emerging from the dark humor that was the Beast Unleashed podcast, Steve Megatron, TFG and Mike, Pecan Court Michael, and the Cybertronian correspondent Optimus Solo move on to Transformers Animated with Transformation Animation Podcast. 20 episodes covering all three seasons of the cartoon, the books, and the awesome toy line. We'll also have cast and crew interviews, so get tapped with GCRN's next Transformers franchise podcast. Transformation Animation Podcast, available on iTunes and the web at www.geek.com. Radio.com. Get your tap on. Decepticons, transform and rise up. We're going to start with like a little mini-sode because there's a little bit of local news here. Uh, beloved, the children's entertainer, uh, Mr. Peppermint died this week, and uh, it's just really sad because I grew up on Mr. Peppermint. Uh, Peppermint's Place is the name of the show. Welcome to Peppermint Place. This is something here in North Texas. I mean, I, I never heard of him until I moved down here, uh, and he was being rebroadcast over in Abilene. Yeah, Jerry Haynes, uh, he was, um, actually, funny thing is, he was the first person to report uh, JFK's assassination in Dallas. I could imagine. I could see how that went. Hi, kids! Hope everything's going to great today. The president was killed today. Yay! No, I don't think that'd work. <laughs> it didn't go. It didn't go like that. He was actually on the scene, and he, he was the first person that, that they turned the camera to because he was right there when the shots happened. And yeah. and and I loved the show because it was yes, it was low budget. Yes, it was like local local access, but. Uh, it just had a, this charm that local access, low budget children shows have. That you have. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like we were talking earlier in the week. I mean, um, coming from Chicago land, Bob Bell and uh, Roy Brown as Bozo the Clown and Cookie Clown, and then Bill Jackson, BJ, uh, who had an award-winning show called uh, Eagle Snort Hotel. I mean, he had stuff before that, but yeah, I mean, great bits for kids. Yeah, like I said, but you know, Mr. Peppermint was great because. He had these not quite Muppets all in his cast. He had he had a lion named Gaylord Lion that was actually <laughs> quite effeminate for a lion. Like Snagglepuss. Yeah. Blocks, blocks, blocks. Yes, I love blocks. Ah, hello. Caught me by surprise. Yes, it's that time again. Time for the word for today. Yes, I'm going to take these lovely letter blocks and make some sort of arrangement some word or other and then we'll um, we'll see what it turns out to be are you ready all right here we go and his buddy was was a it was a beaver named uh, muffin and uh, muffin was uh, <laughs> muffin it sounded like you got like this guy from a truck stop this real this guy from a like a truck stop in the deep south and said hey you want to voice a muffin he's like okay and he's like has a real strong southern drawl and in muffin has sarge and, and Muffin had, like, the best line. Hockey, <laughs> Lord. I'm taking a ride on my imaginary motorcycle, this boy. What you doing? Well, I guess you are rather noisy motorcycle. Uh-huh. You're sort of interrupting what we're doing here. We're making the word for game. today. What you mean, word for today? The word for today. Here it is, right in front of you. Oh, I know that. And here I thought you were going to say that he was a Navy SEAL because you could then call him Muff Diver, but... Yeah, he, uh, I'm not going to use that joke on air. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. And yeah. he's, uh... 
Anyways, what I enjoyed was, you know, it was a children's show, but, you know, Mr. Herbert sometimes makes these very funny jokes that are great for adults. Like, there was one episode where he had a, a stage magician on, and the stage magician says, hey, to Mr. Perfman, hey, can you give me a dollar? I'll do this neat trick. And Mr. Perfman gave him a dollar, and the magician did this trick where he levitated the dollar, and then he gave it back to Mr. Peppermint, and Mr. Peppermint said, oh, you didn't turn into a five. I didn't get anything on the investment. <laughs> it was just it was just a really clever show for kids, and I really enjoyed it. It wasn't on PBS or anything. It was on WFAA Channel 8, Saturday mornings. It was something I grew up with, and I I just really appreciated that there was this guy who who had this very fun show for children, and I think that you know, and he clearly enjoyed doing it. Yes, he you know he uh, they actually had a parade for him. See, that's what makes those shows magic is that it's not just some guy like like playing a part like you know this this show may end next week you know he's just, you know he, no he really he really. He's, he's clearly one of these guys who put himself into the role and just enjoyed coming to work every day and look forward to it, and much like Bozo. Yeah. In Mr. Peppermint in 2007, in Red River, New Mexico, was in a 4th of July parade in a peppermint-striped Jeep. It was, you know, this was after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he ultimately died of it and at the age of 84 on September 26th. But, uh, you know, he... You know, he always made public appearances long after the show quit because he just loved doing Mr. Peppermint. Yeah, there are some people that, um, that immediately reminds me of. I mean, um, the first off of my list is, of course, uh, oh, God, I can't think of his name. What did he do? Uh, uh, Clayton Moore. Hmm. The Lone Ranger. Hmm. I mean, even after the TV series went off, he made appearances. Uh, I mean, he was the Lone Ranger, and he lived by that life and by the code. And what I love about Mr. Peppermint was, you know, the show actually had two different runs. The first run was back in uh, back in the uh, late, you know, it was back in the, uh, you know, the 70s, the 60s and 70s. And then the, it had a second run in, in the late 80s to uh, to the mid-90s. You know, back in back in the 70s, he was he was totally, you know, in the ratings, he was kicking the ass of Captain Kangaroo. And apparently that's not too tough because Neil tells me that in uh, Chicago, everyone was kicking Captain Kangaroo's ass. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Ray Rayner had the same uh, had the same time slot as Captain Kangaroo, and he always beat... Uh, well, Ray Rayner was a fixture at WGN in the mornings. Yeah. As long as you didn't give him any paste, he was great. <laughs> yeah, he, he would do these arts and crafts projects, and he would he would fuck them up royally. <laughs> I mean, it would call for a little bit of adhesive, and he would use this yeah, kid's paste, and it would get slathered on there. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I don't understand is how come Captain Kangaroo is so well-known today, you know, looking at a history standpoint, when every local market I ever heard of, he, he got his ass trounced. Well, the two local markets you've heard of, unless there's something else I, I'm not aware of. Right. But, I, remember, uh, I mean, you're talking a two huge markets in Dallas and Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, Captain Kangaroo was really not a slouch. He was. Uh, well, I mean, also when we're talking local slots, Captain Kangaroo, or Bob Keeshan, was CBS. He was broadcast. I mean, yeah. his network. So he had a lot of power behind him, and he was good. I mean, you have to admit, if there are two names that did a lot for children's television, it's Bob Keeshan and Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, they didn't talk down to kids. They talked to the kids. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Mr. Peppermint, I've seen some of them, had the same thing. You can say the same thing about um, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie or um, uh, Beanie and Cecil and some of the other ones where they talked to kids. They didn't treat them like idiots. Yeah. I, that's, to me, that's the thing about a good children's show for all ages. You know, whether it's Bose of the Clown or Captain Kangaroo or Mr. Peppermint, they dealt with the kids as people, not demographics. Yeah, that, that's always impressed me about Mr. Rogers is that Although he was so gentle in how he talked, he he never condescended. He he was uh, he treated the kids as uh, as one of his own. I always heard that he was in the army. Is that true? That's a rumor. Uh, he, Craig Rogers being a sniper is the big rumor, and that <laughs> no, is no, not the sniper rumor, but the one that he was just in the army. I believe that he was in the army. Well, actually, I don't remember. I think he was. Let me let me do a quick uh, uh, wikiology here. Um. No, Rogers never served in any branch of the military. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then, I'm, Fred Rogers was also a uh, minister. I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. I, and you could tell. I mean, he didn't come. Up, he wasn't overt about it, but he definitely got the message across without having to be overt about it. Yes, and the Mister Rogers was another was another great children's show. At the it the it just surprised me, you know. It's if I watch as a teenager, you know, I still picked up on some things about it because it didn't. It wasn't like totally out of the realm of what uh, what someone who's older can can uh, say is juvenile because it wasn't about juvenile. It was about it was about something else. It was about you know being friendly, being. Uh, it was how to live your life. Yes, you know, uh, Captain Kangaroo had a little bit of that with a lot of the silliness. Um, Mr. Wizard was definitely all about the science with having fun. Uh, Beekman's World, same thing. Science with a lot of silliness. I love I Beekman's World. I always loved Beekman's World. I loved Lester the Rat. That was uh, what. What I remember is uh, there was this comedian who I always heard. Anyone who ever met him in person always told me the same thing about this one comedian that he was a total asshole in person. Of course, I'm talking about Bill Nye. <laughs> No, I, I'm seriously. I heard that if a kid walked up and says, oh, "I love you, Bill Nye," and he says, "Get away from me, you brat." Yeah. And uh, and with Bill Nye, the thing is this: he he copied a lot of the Beekman formula, and I, as a child, I could tell. As a child, I'd say he's ripping off Beekman. Well, I think he was ripping off Mister Wizard more. I mean, I saw some of the routines he did, and some of the routines that he originally did on what was the show? Back to the Future. Back to the Future, the animated series. Yes, and it, it was it was Mister Wizard all the way. There was some Beekman in there. And well, even Beekman, uh, even, uh, what's his name, Jax, uh, who does the You Can with Beekman and Jax uh, strips for the newspaper, says that he was very heavily influenced by Mr. Wizard. I mean, anybody who does science for kids has to be influenced by Mr. Wizard. I know. I just, I still love, I still love Beekman's World because I think it's, because I, it was on, I saw it on Netflix and I started watching it and I started getting into it again because it's just so funny the way that you have Liza, you have Lester, you have Beekman. It's, these are great, timeless characters. That had great chemistry with each other. I mean, when they got into the third season, they had the third helper on there. Uh, I don't even remember her name, but there just wasn't the same chemistry as there were in the first couple of seasons with the other two assistants. Yeah, Liza was the first assistant, if I remember correctly. Yep. And, uh, you know, one show that I couldn't stand, that has a like a really high camp factor. Some people love to death. Mm. Pee Wee. Oh, I was an adult when Pee Wee's Playhouse came out. 
I despised it. I've always hated the character yeah. of Kiwi. I always found him obnoxious. I agree. It's it's. I don't get the you know. As a child, I couldn't stand him because it's like this is a this is an adult doing an act. Well, to me, it was the fact that it was an adult trying playing an ADHD kid on speed and LSD. Yeah. Plus, it was adapted from a. An HBO special, that, which was much more adult, and they had to really dumb it down. Yeah, not just much more adult. The original, the original, uh, what's his name? The actor, oh, his, the, his original, his original comedy routine was extremely adult. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first time I saw Paul Rubens was on Cheech and Chong movies. <laughs> and then they caught him. Uh, he, uh, he had Pop Pee-wee Queen. out in the in the yeah. And everyone was shocked. They're like, "Oh my god." No, it's like people who were shocked that Bob Saget told the uh, the aristocrats joke when everybody who saw his stand up before Full House knew, yeah. yeah, that's who he is. Yeah, I mean, if they're we talk the other end of the spectrum from uh, Mr. Peppermint and Bozo, the Chicago Bozo the Clown, and yeah. all the other good kilt shows. I mean, you've got, in my opinion, Pee Wee's Playhouse, which talked down to the kids. I mean, it treated the kids like freaking morons. Or SpongeBob SquarePants, which is for freaking morons. I don't care how many kids in college like it. They're not the target audience, and they're stoned out of their minds anyway. <laughs> Anybody with a couple ounces of brain cells still living will look at that and say, my God, that's stupid. The animation's good. I don't care. I mean, there's a good animation. <laughs> You know, anything that's on, most of the things that are on Cartoon Network nowadays. Hey, it looks better than Chowder, okay? That's why I'm saying, uh, Cartoon Network. Chowder is, well, if SpongeBob SquarePants is for morons and LSD, Chowder and Flapjack and the other idiot shows they have over on Cartoon Network, these are for brain-dead people. <laughs> and they're taking something a lot stronger than LSD. I mean, they're hitting straight crack. <laughs> yeah, well, you know it's it's, a, it's refreshing to actually be in a room with three people who love examining children's entertainment, and all three agree Pee Wee was not right. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of it's extremely refreshing because you always have all these people who are like, oh Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Playhouse is great. You had Cowboy Curtis and Mr. TV and all this other crap. Cowboy Curtis, who was? Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. But uh, when I when I put up that article about Bozo last month, there was one name that I left out, and with good reason. That would be Larry Harmon. Well, I, I linked Bill, uh, uh, Bill ben, ben, to a story today. Larry Harmon ha- was initially in, uh, inducted into the International Clown Hall of Fame. That he was, and that was, and he was stripped of that. He was. It was rescinded. Yeah. He was in, uh, that's because he was the creator of Bozo, and that was not true. And he also claimed that he was the original Bozo, which also was not true. Yeah. The original Bozo was Pinto Kalvig. Yep. Goofy. Who was later inducted in as the original Bozo. Yeah, in 2004. So for like 40 years after Pinto Kalvig's death, you know, it, it took them that long to uh, At figure least. out what happened. Yeah. I mean, like uh, the names that I mentioned earlier, Bob Bell and Roy Clark. Uh, Ray, Ray Brown. Ray Brown, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking hee-haw. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of clowns altogether. But, uh, yeah, Ray Clark, Ray Brown, uh, who were fixtures in morning shows uh, as Bozo the Clown and Cookie the Clown mm. uh, in the Chicagoland area. I mean, they became nationally known because of how good they were. That's cool. Wait a minute. 
That's coming from in here again. That's not possible. It is possible. Cookie, look at that. Oh, little baby kitty cat. He must have heard his song and come over to play with us. <laughs> oh, it's amazing how those little claws go right through to your skin. Boy, how a little thing like that could be here. Would you take it, Cookie? <laughs> you help me before I bleed through my hand there? <laughs> you got yourself into it. You get yourself out. Oh, here, Cookie. Nice. Take him over and get him a saucer of milk. He's cute. I like him. <laughs> He's sort of attached to you. I know. What's your feelings on uh, Lamb Chop? Are you talking the character Lamb Chop or are you talking about Sherry Lewis? Because I've got two different opinions on them. <laughs> I want to hear both. Okay. I like the character of Lamb Chop, and Sherry Lewis on air was a good fixture for kids. Sherry Lewis off the air, uh, when I was living in Abilene, she came in and did a fundraiser telethon thing for uh, a children's hospital over in Abilene. Okay. And she was an absolute bitch. Now, this is secondhand reports. This is from family members who live in the area who had to deal with her. But, I mean, she was a terror. Ouch. She was a, she was a diva's diva. Damn. That's yeah. It's you know if you're if you're a star on PBS, you have to have some perspective. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, to me, it was no different um, than Rosie O'Donnell. Damn. Her, her. Think about it. The image that they had on air for her was the sweet girl, the nice person. Everybody loves Rosie. And off the air, she's an absolute bitch. I think that that the uh, facade for Rosie faded as soon as she had her own talk show, and she was the bitch. Once the, talk show, once the talk show ended, because the spin machine for her was heavy into gear when her talk show was going on, the first talk show was going on, and you would never see anything nasty about her in the press. Once the show ended and her popularity started to fade, then the truth started coming out. You know who they got to replace her? Uh, Carolyn Rhea. She was really good. Yeah. I was really sad to hear that her show just died really quickly because I thought she was really good. Yeah. Well, they're giving Rosie a talk show again. Mm. But on the bright side, it's on the Oprah Winfrey Network, so nobody will see it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the new UPN. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no. UPN's guy was a lot more classy than the Oprah Winfrey Network. They had Homeboys in Outer Space on UPN, Tom. Like I said, UPN's a lot more classy than <laughs> <laughs> the one episode of that show I remember was the one with uh, James Doohan. It's oh, poor Jim. He uh, he uh, he probably needed to pay rent that month. I think uh, Jeff Dunham, the comedian, had a great line in his most recent special for Comedy Central, uh, where it was Ahmed the dead terrorist talking about talking to Osama bin Laden in hell. <laughs> How can you tell it's hell? Well, we've got cable down there, but it's only got one channel: the Oprah Winfrey Network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we can't talk about children's television without mentioning Sesame Street. Yeah, where the original seasons were finally released on DVD with a warning that they were not suitable for kids. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to me, it's uh, one of the funniest things to, that Neil revealed to me about Sesame Street was two things. The Snuffleupagus's original uh, puppet was frightening as all hell because it had like evil green eyes. 
as opposed to what they eventually released that would be Wooly Mammoth. And yeah. uh, and number two was Snuffleupagus was originally Big Bird's imaginary friend until the until because of like a rampant amount of uh, parents not believing children about uh, being sexually molested or something they decided they had to make Snuffleupagus real and they made Big Bird really rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> the early days of Sesame Street. I mean, I'm I'm someone who remembers Mr. Hooper instead of just being a name on the store. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, that some of the oddball things they had going with the Muppets. Uh, I remember reading that Jim Henson wanted the Muppets to be completely separate from the human characters, so as to not cross the line between reality and unreality. And, and uh, that didn't last long. Yeah. I remember the beautiful day monster was on. Yeah, you know, Sesame Street, but he wasn't allowed to carry his gun. <laughs> but that was the most shocking thing I ever saw. Is that that was classic Jim Henson humor. That and the and the warning that are, that's on the the Sesame Street box sets that just shows that nowadays people who own these properties do not understand Jim Henson's sense of humor. Well, the political correctness has run totally rampant. I mean, when they have to have Cookie Monster, who was a parody of people who go and gorge themselves. And they have to make have a to song like, cookies are yeah, sometimes food. Sometimes food. I mean, my God, do you people not get it? They, I saw, like, when I was, like, a teenager, I was flipping through channels, and I hit Channel 13, that's PBS here, and uh, I saw this bit with this rabbit singing this song about, no, 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 don't touch me. I'm like, what the fuck are they showing children now? That you have to have a song about, you know, being molested. Yeah, Sesame Street has gone from being a terrific educational tool to being just a tool. <laughs> it's become politically correct. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it within the past few years, but the last time I remember seeing it, I don't think I saw a white person on there. I actually enjoyed the Hispanic couple when I was a child. I, I, well, I mean, they had it was they had some white people, they had some black people, they had some Hispanic people. I mean, they were people. They didn't make a big deal out of them being white or black or Hispanic or whatever. They were. I mean, they treated the Muppets the same way. They were all people. Yeah, the original Sesame Street did not draw attention to that at all. I, that was that was wonderful. I'm glad. I wish that uh, the new the new owners of this would like go back and watch this shit. Yeah. And uh, because I grew up in Texas, uh, certain channels were Spanish-speaking channels, and I got to see very brief clips of Mexican Sesame Street, Plaza Sesamo, and their replacement for Big Bird was a giant green parrot, and it was absolutely horrifying. Yeah, it was definitely parroting something. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in, in the, the South African market, they have an AIDS Muppet. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and they were trying to get that onto the American one, too. They fought really hard for that. I'm sorry, I mean, I'm all for teaching kids things, but there are places and times for it. Sesame Street should be about interaction with others, treating people with others, uh, with respect, and letters and numbers and words. You know, I consider the swan song for my era of Sesame Street? Hmm. Follow That Bird was the swan song for my era. When they went yeah. to the movies, they became a property rather than an educational tool. Well, to be fair, there was... A very large year gap between Fall That Bird and uh, and uh, what, whoever in Grouchland. Oh God! There was a huge there was a huge gap in the years between then. And like I said, the uh, the Fall That Bird was like the the swan song of that era of Sesame Street. See, from what I've seen, I will tell you to me was the jump the shark moment for Sesame Street. Okay, Elmo. Elmo. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, what was striking about uh, Follow That Bird is that Elmo's in it, but he doesn't talk. Yeah. Probably the best role he ever had. Yeah. There was only one part of Follow That Bird that I didn't like, and that was the bluebird thing. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit much for me. But everything else was like it was. It was like an action movie for kids. Well, and I, I look at something, the differences between Follow That Bird and the Muppet movies. And it was, I mean, you could sh- still show the Muppet movie to kids, or any of the Muppet movies to kids, and kids love them. Adults will love them. Follow That Bird was one of the condescending attitudes that they had towards kids. You're not that bright yet. We'll give you something and spoon-feed it to you. Yeah, that's certainly true. But I did like the fact that they... they they brought to the attention that the that the CPS workers aren't always in for your best interest. <laughs> that was the message of the movie, Tom. Yeah. Well, nowadays they would have rewritten the fall of that bird to make the CPS worker right. Yep. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I just I, times I just shake my head. You know, political correctness is political correctness is more evil than anything else. Yeah. It's it's it's. It's and I'm going on record saying that. <laughs> okay. Treat people as people, not as racial stereotypes. And it's the people who are PC who do that more than those of us who are conservative. Oh, I, yeah. I just wish that shows like Sesame Street would go back to, you know, it, it, it should keep the, the education aspect, but it should, it should go back to being a somewhat entertainment. Yeah. Based show. Yeah, they see, like I said, it, uh, you know, the shows that were really great for kids were the ones that weren't on PBS. Like, Beekman's World was on Channel 8 as well as, you know, you know, Mr. Peppermint was on Channel 8. It's, uh, you know, Well, PBS WFAA. did have some great kids' shows. I mean, The Electric Company. I mean, take a look at the talent on that show. Hey, you guys! Well, that's, that was past my era. Yeah, well, I mean, you had, I mean, one of the main forces behind it was Bill Cosby, who literally did the show for free. I believe it. The Electric Company was his thesis, doctoral thesis. Uh, you had um, Rita Moreno on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I can't think of his name. Really esteemed, elder, uh, older black actor. Oh, Neil, oh, uh, Tom, you'll love this. Uh, I was just going through Wikipedia, yep. and uh, the uh, the production music from Bill Nye, the Science Guy, is uh, all that music is used as background music for SpongeBob SquarePants. That makes complete sense to me. <laughs> Not surprised. Another great show from PBS, or from the earlier days of PBS, was one called Zoom. Do you remember 321 Contact? Yes. It's... Uh, I remember Math Man. As a kid, I was getting, I, as a kid, I got kind of pissed off at Math Man because, like, you're stupid. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it looked like it was programmed on the Odyssey too. <laughs> uh, they had one called Big Blue Marble, that was okay, but still, it was a little more PC. Uh, Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton. That was a great show, and yeah. uh, and uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Square One. Yeah. I remember Square One. Uh, trying to think of any other shows I remember. I remember one show that was a kids' show. I don't remember anything about it except for the theme song was actually Sunshine, Lollipops, and Rainbows. Yeah, but what was the show? What was the show? Oh, that was. 
I don't know of any show with it, but I remember the uh, the song was back from the fifties. I know. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, what show? What children's show had uh, Ringo Starr, huh. a Baldwin, and George Carlin playing the same role? Tiny Time Station. Yeah. I mean, when I heard George Carlin, George Carlin yeah. of all people was going to be doing a kids show. <laughs> I wonder why. I, I wonder why. He, he was actually very good. I wonder how they got Ringo. I wonder how they got Ringo. Was he like bored one day? He didn't need the money. Yeah. But I mean, it was actually very. It, the whole show was pretty good. Uh, it, their bits were great. Yeah. And they, I mean, definitely weren't the more adult-oriented stuff they normally do. Uh, I just remember. Uh, there was actually one episode where Ringo Starr, as Mr. Conductor, sang the Lumberjack song. The Lumberjack song from Monty Python. Yes. Now, how did he get away with that one? <laughs> he only did, like, the first two verses. Okay, that would make sense. Um, well, Lumberjack and that's it. Yeah, he only did, like, the first two verses, and then he stopped and say, Oh, hey, kids! <laughs> <laughs> I love what adult humor just... Kind of creeps in there, but not quite. But Soupy Sales, back from the 50s. Soupy Sales invented the pie to the face. He, he invented the pie to the face. Well, he definitely refined it. It was used before Soupy Sales, but he was... Yeah, I was, was, was going to say, that that goes back to, like, early film. Yeah, but take a look at... Um, if you if the people out there do a search for Soupy Sales controversy, you'll find that there were a number of things that really had him... Uh, in hot water at times. Like one time when he told the kids to go get the green pieces of paper out of mommy's purse and daddy's wallet and mail it to them. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Oh my god. Oh my god. And believe me, this was uh, this was a uh, network broadcast, so there were a lot of kids watching this thing. Oh my god. I can't. He got in trouble for that, right? Oh yeah. They sent back everything and they sent out an apology. <laughs> Uh, there were other things like um, one of the bits on there was where he would go and answer the door and there would be he react to something behind the door with different ways. Well, one of the times, and of course, what was behind the door was off camera. That was part of the bit. One of the times they had a naked woman out there. I was expecting that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the music was definitely playing over the air. <laughs> he was not expecting that. <laughs> wow. One of my favorite bits on Bozo was them doing the three bears. Oh and, my God. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to put the audio, part of the audio of it here. Where's, where's the baby bear? Hey, come on in. Where have you been? Yeah, what do you say, baby? How you doing? Why is it that you can only, you always tell me to go out and play in the woods during hunting season? Why is that? Well, because we thought you might get, we thought you might get in the line of fire. That's what we got. Yeah. Why don't you shut up? Besides, go out and shave. What's your next favorite I never did care for that line of stuff you had on your face. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I'm going to sit on a... Whoa. <laughs> what happened, Papa? I sat on my tail and I... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Is there something wrong? No, my chair is still warm. I think somebody's been sitting in it somewhere. <laughs> Sit on the porch? <laughs> no, Papa, but it feels like someone's been sitting in my chair, too. Because it's warm and it's, it's nice. Boy, I, I certainly hope I can go to the orphan's picnic this year. 
you ever think about getting a booking on the Donna Yuho show? You, I never saw anybody so freaky looking. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm going in to hit the sack. Yeah. I'm tired, man. I'm walking around the woods. What? Can I hit the sack too, Papa? <laughs> Give me a shot. Oh, get in there, you fat guy. Don't look messed up. Well, don't look at me. Is this really the way Eddie Fisher started? I've been sleeping in your bed as their own darn fault. I gotta jump in here. I'm gonna take my personal. Let me go ahead and explain about one of the things on there, because one of the characters on there was done by the character of Wizzo the Wizard. Yes, he played the con man. He was, I mean, he was a magician con man who was always trying to get Bozo and Cookie in trouble. Yeah. And he was portrayed by world-renowned magician Marshall Brodine. And what's the bit with the handkerchief in the in, uh, in wrapped around the stone of Zanzibar? You do not know, do you? The stone of Zanzibar is right under. Do not the touch the stone. I get little signals from the stone. People think I don't understand. I think you're about half stone myself. <laughs> How would you like to see a few feats of presto digitation? Huh? Oh, you better not show them around here. I got my mother's picture in my pocket. Oh, wait! You must hold that for just a few seconds. Wizzle's curse of Arobia. <laughs> now I know what I always suspected. Okay, soda. What's this? Shade right in the glass. Sis, boom, bam. And when you say sis, bim, bam, the water jumps out of the glass. Sis, bim, bam. Sis, boom, bam. Sis, uh-huh. Make sis, up your boom, mind. Sis, boom, bam. Sis, boom, bam. Cookie. You must never talk when you're holding this pencil. <laughs> Cookie. Yes. I want you to take this glass. Yes. And if you pour. If you pour the soda of Arobia inside the glass, be careful with it. <laughs> because, because if I don't get out of here, they will throw me out. <laughs> yes, indeed. They wanted to do that for a long time. Anybody older than 20 probably had one of the Marshall Brodeen magic kits before they yeah. gave it to Chris Angel. Uh, oh, God. Uh, so... Here's a question, just as someone who only read filmography and the history that really wasn't around back then. Could Red Skelton be considered a children's entertainer, or was he more of an adult entertainer? Back in the early days of television, there really was no difference between adult and kids' television. There was nothing specifically set up for kids. Because I, I love Red Skelton stuff. I was just wondering if... Yeah, I, I mean, you could say this, ask the same thing about Milton Berle. Mm. I mean, was Milton Berle's comedy, kids' comedy, or was it All Ages Family? Uh, so many other things. There really wasn't, it wasn't until later on they started having specific programming for kids or adults. It was all family ish before then. Mm. Yeah, I just, like I said, I just loved Red Skelton stuff, and I just, you know, I just want to know if he was considered a children's entertainer back then, but if it was just entertainment entertainment, then that makes perfect sense because of. <laughs> Just how he did it. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I can't really think of any other kids' shows that, you know, 
what the heck did TBS run other than Nova and Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers <laughs> back in my day? I don't know. It's it's well, I, everything. I mean, there was the older stuff was Masterpiece Theater and a lot of the Brit movies. Yeah. Um, but then uh, back in the days of WGN, back in the sixties and seventies, we had Fraser Thomas's Masterpiece uh, Family, you know, Family Classic. Uh, he'd take old-time movies and show them and have commentaries at the beginning and end. So, and they, he specifically chose each one as family viewing. Well, what I loved about Family Classics is that he's he's in this like smoking room. But if you look at the if you look at the wall, there's a picture of Garfield Goose, the puppet. A p- painted picture of Garfield Goose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in like in like the uh, uh, what you call it the the, the, the Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, get up yeah <laughs> it was wonderful <laughs> you can tell roy brown just roy brown was like this graphic artist who also played cookie and you he just he just loved doing shit like that uh frazier thomas also had um cuddly Dudley, uh which when he was merged to bozo show later on after ringmaster ned died cuddly Dudley, played by roy brown and featured on ray rayner we're off to Cuddly Dudley's house, cute as he can be. With his fur of gold and his nose as cold, he's cuddly as can be. He has riddles and jokes, but the fun that he pokes is never aimed at me. Here's the place that he lives and the name that he gives is Cuddly. Cud! Where is he? Where's that pesky woodpecker? <laughs> I heard him a knock knocking on my roof again. No, Cud. No, Did wait. you scare him away, Ray? No, watch. watch. He kept me awake all night, sitting up there on the roof going tap, 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 tap. It was I. It was I. You mean that was you sitting on my roof all night oh, going no. bang, bang, bang? No, bang. no, no, no. That Why'd you do that, Ray? <laughs> no. Why'd you sit on my roof and keep me awake all night? No, huh? that was a woodpecker. That woodpecker was on my roof, too, last night. I mean, the woodpecker we have in our neighborhood. But... Ralph. Oh. No, I'm not going to get into that. You don't mean to tell me that uh, that woodpecker's name is Ralph. Yep. You've named him Ralph. I didn't name him Ralph. His mommy named him Ralph. I named him something else. Oh, I'm going to ask only one more question on this... Pesky, pan- that's what he is. He is pesky. But that I was my him. nickname for him. <laughs> but his mother called him Ralph. I'm going to ask just one question I on think this. he comes over to see Sam the parakeet. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Or Sam would teach him to use the doorbell instead of knocking on the roof like that. That was I. You know how hard it is to open up a roof? <laughs> on the pretend broadcasting system, Walt. Hi, Ray. Good morning, Cud. And how are you today? <laughs> Much mail to disseminate to broadcast worldwide, coast to coast, and border to border. <laughs> oh? Your first up, Cud. Oh, you're taking in borders. Well, it sounds like, sounds like I missed out not growing up in the Chicago area. Yeah, I mean, you can't find anybody of a certain age who grew up watching WGN. I mean, I could say one thing, and they'll immediately know who it is. If I go, Hudson 32700. Neil? Uh, I think I missed something. (laughs) (laughs) You stuffed Neil, Tom, with your Chicago knowledge. Uh, now I'm forgetting it. (laughs) No, if you had said 5882300. Yeah, that's Empire Carpets, which also became it. (laughs) Yeah, in the yeah. Uh, that was this, commercial. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, the uh, carpet cleaning company. Oh, sort of like sort of like Dalworth, sort of like Dalworth in in Texas. Yeah. All three, two, six, yeah. seven, eight, four, three, three. 
but Bouchelle in Chicago, I mean, they were, like I said, it was Hudson 32700s. <laughs> and then Empire Carpets, which has become a national thing now, is 5882300. Yeah. yeah, actually, you can see one of the Empire Carpets commercials in Wayne's World, the movie. Oh, my God. I heard that that guy actually died. Yeah, he died uh, fairly recently. Yeah. Um, uh, what about the... Uh, about, uh, there was a, there's a guy in local commercials now that says, uh, uh, that, that said that, uh, bless your heart was actually an insult. Uh, I don't know. No, it's, it's really funny. It's about not, not making the landlord richer. Uh, I think Tom knows the guy I'm talking about. Uh, offhand, it doesn't sound familiar. Really? He's, he's all over the air. It's Bob Lavelle. Bob Lavelle. Name rings a bell, but... Okay, it's, uh, you know, don't make the landlord richer. It's, uh, anyway. I well, I mean, that's, that's like going over to, I mean, if we're going to talk commercials for a second, um, uh, Jim Adler, the hammer, you know, one of the yeah. ambulance chasers who got his comeuppance because he recently, uh, recently, a year or two ago, had caused a massive accident. <laughs> I, I don't remember whether it was fatal or not to the uh, victim, but I mean, I would have loved to have seen a shyster lawyer go after him the way that he goes after some of these other people. Yeah, he will hammer the last dollar out. Yeah, hammer, 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 hammer. Who causes it. Yeah, he hammered the back of that car. <laughs> was he the guy that drove around in a tank? No, I don't. On the commercials. Well, there, was a, there was a lawyer, a ambulance chaser, that says, if you're not driving one of these, you'll need my, you'll need my uh, representation. And he drove around in a tank. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Okay, it's... I remember that one vividly because it was such a ridiculous, like, uh, connotation that if you're not driving a tank, you need a lawyer just in case. Yeah. Now, how about Sven Gulli? No, the son of Sven Gulli. Yeah. Calling all stations. Clear the air lanes. Clear all air lanes for the big broadcast. Hey, mister. What? What time is it? Well, it's time for a sequel that came 14 years after the original movie. As the monster that Steve McQueen fast froze in 1958, thaws out in 1972 to medicine all-star cast, including Carol Lindley, Burgess Meredith, Cindy Williams, Godfrey Cambridge, and Larry J.R. Hagman, who also directed the film, so you could say it's the movie that J.R. shot. <laughs> You're sure to lose when our star starts to ooze in Beware the Son of the Blob. Yeah, that opened up... He was, during the time of Elvira, he was another horror show host, uh, comedic one, over in Ch the Chicago land, and of course opened up and closed every show with Billy Joel's You May Be Right. <laughs> Back on Channel 32, WFLD-TV. <laughs> Which eventually became the Fox affiliate. Yep. And now he's buried on some weird channel now. It's, uh, yeah, it's like, like MyTV or something. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I don't know what it is. I remember some really weird uh, channel line, lineups growing up. Like uh, Channel Twenty Seven here was like one of the one of the channels that always showed syndicated stuff, and then it became a Mexican channel. But I remember back in the day, like in the early nineties, it showed the live action Punky Brewster TV show, and then after that, it showed the cartoon. <laughs> and then, wow! Let me tell you about disconnect. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm sorry. I. Why would you do that? <laughs> no, Neil, if you're ready for a shock, for those who are interested, uh, we were just talking about the son of Zanguli, and he has his own website, of course, called uh, 
Svengooli, S-V-E-N-G-O-O-L-I dot tvheaven dot com. Oh my god, he looks yeah. horrible. Has he gotten large and in charge? Yeah. Was that, like is that picture in the in in the four pick the the one on the one that's like in the right middle was that like him many years ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I was wondering about that. Yeah, local local entertainment is the best kind of way to get a good idea of the local flavor of the area you're in. Uh, aren't you a sorry looking sight? <laughs> Sure, kick me when I'm down. What are you doing in bed at this time of day? (laughs) 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 I don't feel good. You don't feel good? I got a headache in my Uh, stomach. Stick out your tongue. Mm. Oh, no wonder you're sick with that thing in your mouth. Never mind. Local entertainment, to me, when I see what WGN has become now, it's become a superstation that's running the same shows as the... Superstation down in Atlanta, uh, WTBS, or Channel 21 here in Texas, Dallas, or every other freaking station. There is very little, with the exception of a morning show, very little to differentiate it from any other channel. They're running the same reruns. They're running the same news. It's we except need, for we some of the sports things. We need more local access shows, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there needs to be more... I, that's one of the things that I wish that, I mean, whether it be New York or Chicago or Dallas or L.A., some of the major markets that have uh, the entertainment industry down there have local stuff. It's a great way for youngster, youngsters, for up-and-coming talent to get noticed. It's a way for writers and te- producers and whatever to get their stuff out there. And it gives you individuality. There is no individuality on this type of stuff anymore on broadcast channels. I know, and that's what I loved about it because you actually have uh... – like, like when I was growing up with Mr. Pepperman, he actually said, you know, we are in the WFAA. Uh, you know, he actually mentions the the guy who's in charge of WFAA and says, oh, he's going to come by later. We're going to have lunch, and he, you know, it's like, you know, it was a living, breathing thing because, you know, you know, WFAA is, you know, Channel Eight is a big thing to hear him talk about it. Yeah. And yeah, Channel Eight, the, the ABC, the ABC affiliate, but they still had lots of local shows on it. That was very surprising. Yeah, and nowadays, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although every year, I think on Thanksgiving and uh, maybe Christmas Eve, a WGN will show a two-hour special that is about the about the early uh, shows that were on WGN. It's called Bozo, Gar, and Ray. And anyone who has a chance to see this, they should watch it. And on that note, we shall end the. Well, actually, the, let me bring up one last thing. No problem. Um, and that is Neil, as someone who grew up in the Chicago area. Yeah. And uh, hold on, because i got to refresh my own memory. Where's the best deep dish in Chicago? Uh, I'm outside the city, so I don't know. Okay. In the December period of time, one thing that was run, well, actually two things that were run ad nauseum from my childhood, and I think they continued on much later, were a couple of old, old, black-and-white animated cartoons. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Hard Rock, Coco, and Joe. Oh, no. Su- Susie Snowflake. Yep. And uh, there was the a third one, Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. Yep. Long before the Rankin-Bass stuff. Wow, there was a Frosty before Rankin-Bass? Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost horrified to, to look. Yeah, uh, Frosty the Snowman was uh, from 1953. Hard Rock, Coco, and Joe. I'm Hard Rock. I'm Coco. I'm Joe. You could uh, probably find these on YouTube. Yep. 
1951 yeah. and Susie Snowflake, uh, based off the song, just like Frosty, you know, here comes Susie Snowflake, uh, uh, 1951. I don't um, think Susie Snowflake, the song, survived the ages. <laughs> well, the movie didn't either, but they still showed it. Uh, the cartoon didn't either, but it still showed it. And this was really back alley. The animation was very stilted, but it became endearing. And uh, if, we're, if we're ending, I, I, got a, I got a quote here from Bob Bell that I think really rings true about what's wrong with today's entertainment. Kids' entertainment, anyway. A real escapism. That's, that's all it was ever intended to be. And not a, we didn't do any ABCs and, and color charts or anything like that. Uh, we, just, we was down there and, and let her rip. And that's what was great about the Bozo Show, was just this fun hour to hour and a half of programming for kids that was just pure entertainment. And I, I wish there was a show like that now. Yeah, Ray Rayner, who was a fixture and part of the WGN staff back in the old days, uh, as much as I like to lampoon him at times, he was probably one of the best things in the morning for kids. Not only was he you know, the arts and crafts and to get kids involved with stuff, but he also had a bit of news about the school closings and even sometimes the lunch programs that were going on there. What were certain schools serving for lunch that day? And it got kids interested in going to school. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and to end on that note, uh, you know, this was a very special look at the local children's programming, a dying and let's not hope dead breed. It, it might be already too late, but, uh, you know, Mr. Beverman, that may he rest in peace, died this week, and and the Bozo Show is off the air now, and, you know, let's hope that this is not the end, folks. Uh, I am your host, Ben. TV's Mr. And from 910 Comics, 910CMX.com, I'm Thomas Prevor. All right, and good night. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Wes, that's amazing. I think I'll answer the phone. Berwin!